Welcome to Politicking with Jason Whitlock, hosted by Curtis Schoon. Good morning, Jason. How are you today? I'm good. Uh, spent a little bit of the morning trying to figure out what I think of this Dr. Zeus controversy. You know, they, they, they schools are running away from his books. Oh, Dr. Seuss. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, for racist images and stuff. And I actually looked up some of the stuff and like, wow. I'm like, this is what was in Dr. Zeus' books <laughs> or his cartoons. And this one actually somewhat, I think, kind of makes a little sense. You think so? Yeah. A little bit. I, I, I saw something. with the issue? I, I, I saw something where he had done some cartoon and it was something about, you know, go ahead and uh, get your high grade N word, blah, blah. I mean, it, it was like, I'm like, whoa, wow. And so I don't know if this was in the Dr. Zeus books, but it's like he was doing cartoons like that, you know, early in the 20th century or whatever. And so I'm like, whoo. Yeah, and so, but but yeah, everybody's writing all these stories, and I couldn't. But they're not including the images; they're just take our word for it, or you know, I, I don't know. But this one seems kind of legit. You uh, okay? I, I think I'm not familiar with the story, right? But yeah. I always say when we talk about the past, you gotta let it be in the past. Yeah, we got yeah, we gotta put it in the context, and that's not to excuse what people say. Yeah, it's almost like if somebody eighty says something that's considered racist today that wasn't considered racist for seventy five percent of their life, you don't give them a pass on it, but you kind of understand that you know what they don't know any better. Here's the difference, though. I think Curtis. I think the point of this is that they're still using Dr. Zeus books in schools. And so it's not about canceling Dr. Zeus. It's about canceling the work that, and again, I, they not showing me what these images are, but it's like, wow, I, I, I did some research and found some things like, if, if anything like this is in these books, I kind of get it. So I, I don't know if it's canceling Dr. Zeus, the actual guy, I think his last name is Geisel or something like that. Or, who did it as much as his work that we're still handing on to kids. Uh, I think the argument is it puts white people in a very superior position and black people and people of color in a very inferior position, the books do. And so, look, uh, I used to- I'm gonna have to do some more research. I was, I only look for about 30 minutes. I, I used to watch uh, Tarzan when I was a kid, the black and white with Johnny Weissmuller, right? No question. And, and, and he would show up and the black people who are natural to the environment, they would be in fear and in awe of the white Tarzan. And there's a lot of um, subliminal suggestions in all of these images even if they're not outright racist. I, I also enjoyed um, Our Gang, The Little Rascals. And I distinctly remember an episode where Buckwheat, it was either Buckwheat or Stymie, the two black kids, I think it was Buckwheat, wiped his brow and flicked the sweat on the wall and they showed the sweat black. 
And, and like, this was, and you know what? I'm a kid seeing this. And I think a lot of times, right? I, I, I think people who aren't offend of, if, you're, if, if your inferiority or is not being reinforced, it doesn't really affect you. But I think those images also affect white people because it subliminally gives them a false sense of superiority based just on their race. The same as it does give us a negative, I mean, a, a sense of inferiority. It works both ways. And that's, that's why I think it's important to point these things out. But I think some people do go overboard with it. Only, here's what I would say, like take Tarzan. That was something we watched on Saturdays, uh, I believe. It, it, and so I have no problem with people to say, you know what? That Tarzan stuff, you know, in retrospect was effed up. And so we're not going to show it anymore. You can still get it on Amazon or you can still go if you want to watch it, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's past its prime and we're not going to show it anymore. I think that's appropriate. Going after the people that created the Tarzan movie script or whatever, I think is inappropriate. It's like their reflection okay. of that time and that culture and that environment. But I, I would not, if you know, if I had a kid, I would not be like, hey, let's sit, let's watch a Tarzan movie. Nah, <laughs> uh, just because I did and, you know, I watched it and it didn't do nothing to me or whatever, but I, I don't blame people for being like, yeah, let's move on from that. We're not going to show it anymore, but I'm not going to try to crucify people from the past that made that content. Yeah, I, I guess we're kind of saying the same thing about the context of the time and era. Some of those things, as bad as they were, they weren't considered bad at that time. You know, maybe society has evolved to a point that we could look back and say, you know what? We can't do that anymore. And let's move forward without that. And I think I think that's the victory right there. Well, and I just think there's enough negative images being created today that we should be concerned about. And, it, it, you know, it, it's like the the whole Candace Owens thing with, what's the bishop's guy? Talbert uh, Swan, I think Ta is his name. Talbert, yeah. Those type images, to me, like this is being created today. We've made this appropriate today that you know if you disagree with somebody politically you can publicly attack them in the most vicious racist way possible and if they're conservative like Candace Owens it's all good yeah that that's you know that that's the thing about black liberals and in particular and I'm not saying black conservatives don't have their issues but since we're talking about Talbert Swan and, and Candace Owens, I, I had posted something, a picture, I reposted a picture he posted that was supposed to be Candace Owens' wedding night where a white man in a Klan outfit was holding her, ready to take her in his arms and with a noose around her ankles or something like that. And I just felt like, first of all, I don't agree with a lot of things Candace Owens says. I'm, I'm no supporter of her. 
but I don't hate Candace Owens. I just simply don't see eye to eye with her on certain things. Sometimes I feel like maybe things she says, she says it in a way to ingratiate herself to her perceived base or her actual base, such as the way she spoke on George Floyd. Now, if we're all being honest, I don't think many people would have been, met George Floyd in the street and invited him home. But given the circumstances, there was no need for her to go the way that she went. Now, having said that, I think Talbert Swan is, is catty and he's typical of the intolerance and hatred that liberals claim that they fight against. And, and, and black liberals in particular, you know, they say conser black conservatives give cover to white racists on the right, but man, the kind of disparaging, racially insensitive thing, calling people coons and all of this. I mean, their white back has got to be sitting back in glee because they must enjoy that because <laughs> if, if I was a white liberal and I saw anybody that I was financing indulging in that behavior, I'd be like, listen, we don't do that. If we're going to beat them, we're going to beat them on the issues. All this... It's almost like a, a secondhand racism. They are willing to say the things that their paymasters think and, and get it out there. And it, it's despicable. And, and I, I got issues with everybody who, who's doing things for money and not genuine about helping the community, but using the community to, to um, enrich themselves. But that in particular is despicable to me. I, I, I think where I give Candace uh, the benefit of the doubt is based solely on she's she's young. I don't think she's quite 30 yet, or maybe she's just 30. And so I, I think that her delivery of her content, uh, and again, it's something people accuse me of, but I, I, I dismiss the, the criticism because I just don't think it's accurate. Uh, but, but it's her viral videos a lot come off angry and th there doesn't seem to be any love or she doesn't cause, cause to me, I think giving black people the advice and the instructions that have allowed me to elevate from nothing to, you know, you know, grew up poor, uh, and and what has allowed me to go from the hood to the upper echelon. I'm just constantly trying to. Here's how I think. Here's an example where I think some prominent black person is actually handling the situation the wrong way. And is you shouldn't model again. People I, people say I criticize LeBron James too much, but he has a huge following. He he's so gifted by God from the womb with the size, the athleticism. He's made money, and so he doesn't have to obey any rules. He can do whatever he wants to do, and he's going to be successful. Curse, I know you're not the biggest sports fan, but I've given it. 
I've given the example of, you know what failure would have been for LeBron James if he had failed? He would be Michael Beasley. I don't know if you remember the basketball player, Michael Beasley. I know. Very talented. I think he may have had a cup of coffee with the Wizards. Uh, but he, he's been all over the league, probably made $40, 50000000 million. But based on his talent, he was a failure. He, you know, uh, irresponsible, carried himself in a blah, blah, blah. And so LeBron James doesn't have to model perfect behavior. But most people that come from uh, the background LeBron James did, who are five foot 10, 160 pounds, and not six foot eight, 260 pounds, they have to adopt philosophies and a mindset and actions that will allow them to escape their current conditions. And I don't see LeBron modeling that kind of behavior. And so sometimes I'm critical of her, but swinging it all the way back to Candace Owens, I just think her delivery, and I think most of it's because youth, I, I think there's a lot of, there is quite a bit of truth, I think, to some of the things she says but it's delivered in such a hostile manner that nobody can receive it. And so that would be my criticism of her. But I, I think what this Bishop Swan has done uh, speaks to a larger issue that none of us are aware of, that like big tech and their social media apps, they, they, were intended to uh, influence American cultural norms in an undetectable way, and they were intended to be a force for good. Big Tech and Twitter basically legalized, uh, normalized, institutionalized same-sex marriage and let Obama take credit for it, gave Obama the credit for it, uh, and so what I'm, what I'm saying by that is that no one talks about big tech and the social media apps and how they were able to make America change and do a 180 on same-sex marriage. And mm -hmm. they have now, as it relates to politics in terms of changing cultural norms in America, if you disagree with somebody politically, the cultural norm that's being driven by big tech and Twitter and Facebook is you hate that person. You, you don't interact with that person in any way respectfully. You are their sworn enemy and you can say and do whatever you want about that person. That's a new cultural norm. Curtis, when you and I were young and just not that long ago, Republicans and Democrats married each other lived in the same, James Carville, the big Bill Clinton supporter. He's married to some, uh, he was or is still married to some uh, Republican strategist. Now in this new world that social media has created, if you don't agree politically, you're now sworn enemies. That's a new cultural norm that Twitter has brought on and big tech has brought on and, and we've got a Frankenstein situation with big tech. Okay, a couple of things. Um, ju just to wrap up my take on Candace Owens, I think as a black woman married to a white man, 
She has to be careful. Red lining. Yeah, with uh, with denigrating black men. You know, like, it's not even that the things that she say is wrong. Sometimes maybe it shouldn't come from her, you know, because it, it could be interpreted or or twisted to make it look like something that it may be or, or, or might not be at all. It, yo, it's just like you said, tread lightly. If I was, you know, like I point out things about um, how black women are so disrespectful to black men on social media, again, they are encouraged. I think in society, and I, I, I'm definitely not trying to have a pity party. I think it's easy to target black men for everybody, even other black men. Everyone knows this. This is why even in the hood, they would quicker kill a black man than a white man or a black woman because the outrage would be so tremendous. But if a black man gets killed, it's like, hey, that happens all the time. And it's the same thing I see on social media and everything. So yeah, I think she, she could be a little more mindful. I sometimes criticize black women on social media because they have, not they, but the left has elected to utilize them in a manner that they are so are like the tip of the spear, whether it be black female politicians or black female activists or whatever. And I, I don't have any problem with it because you know what? I have examples of black women who I love and who love me all around from my daughter to my mother, to my sisters, you know, to the woman I deal with, the mothers of my children, all of these things, you, you understand what I'm saying? So if I was married to a white woman, I would tread lightly, even pointing out the truth as I see it, as, as it relates to that. Now this Bishop, this Bishop Swan guy, Hold for one second, Curtis, and I hope you don't lose your thought, but, no, but you said something that we need to delve into in an honest way. Let's don't be scared. Okay, uh, cool. And so I want you to correct me or push back or respond to what I'm about to say, because you, you just said a mouthful. And so look, my mother last week, uh, we, we were... <laughs> Chick I dated for, a woman I dated for a while, long time in California. I just discovered she's engaged now. Okay. And, uh, uh, you know, we've been through for a couple of years, but I was feeling some kind of way about it and was talking to my mother about it because my mother knew her. Uh, and and my mother, my mother said just... I'm just keeping it real. I can't believe I'm going to do this, but I'm going to keep it 100% real. My mother was like, are you going back to black women now? Are you done with that? She said <laughs> she said that to me. And and I said to her, and and this is where I, well, I'm opening up a can of worms oh, on God, myself. You got to crack it up in there, man. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I, I said to my mother, I was like, mama, you know what? I'd love to. But this political thing has me so at odds with such a cross-section of liberal Black women. And I can't take the wokeness. I can't take the victimology. I can't take uh, the lack of respect for men. I can't take the matriarchy. 
And I was like, my mama's gonna be tough. It's gonna, I, it's gonna be tough. I, I, I just, cause it's just fingernails on a chalkboard for me. And uh, because just to be quite honest with you, this, this, the way things have become so political, it's, I love my mother to death. I have an awesome mother, but she's just a hardcore Democrat above any and everything else. And it has created, because again, I don't care. I, I really don't. I don't vote. I don't care. I guess my point of view is conservative, but I'm just to any of this woke, far left shit, matriarchy shit, I just can't deal with Curtis. And it, it's put me at odds. And I had to be real with my mother. I said, I just don't know, mom. Said, I, I just, I just, I couldn't have that in my. Fingernails on a chalkboard would drive me crazy. Look, man, uh, black black women are overwhelmingly um, liberal to varying degrees. Speaking of mothers, I speak to my mom very often, you know. Um, and when I when I talk to my mom, she's not influenced by Twitter or big tech, so to speak. But that goddamn CNN and MSNBC, yes, Lord have mercy. I don't even look at TV, but if I want to know what was on Morning Joe or any one of those shows, look, and she just loves anybody that they love. And and I'm, I'm seeing this in my own mom, and I'm wondering, like, how many other people are affected like this? Like, are their thoughts genuinely their own? Are they just simply regurgitating what they're being bombarded with on television, on social media? How many people are really stopping to investigate and, and, and remain open to other possibilities than what they're being told? You know, and I don't think the number is high at all. And it makes people like yourself or myself um, who think differently we seem like, you know, like what's wrong with y'all? You know, you're not black like me. You know, you 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 must love white people. You must you must be a, a black white supremacist or something like that. Look, it, the, the the rationalization of finding someone who's thinking independent is kind of wild in our community, man. That is at, it's at the root of all the cancel culture and everything else. And, and, and in a lot of ways, what I've concluded, because when I first started expressing my views on Twitter and people were accusing me of not liking black people and stuff, I was like, yo, what the fuck are they talking about? Everything I do, I, I, I have legions of black people that I help, primarily the people I help are black, the people who rely on me. and 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 and. Not like you, Jason, the people I date. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm <laughs> <laughs> black. So when they say, I don't like black people, I'm like, you motherfuckers don't even know me. You know? But what they've done is they've created a safe space for, the, for their mental laziness and, and their conformity. You know, they've allowed politics and ideology to become synonymous with race. They expect us to be monolithic in our thinking 
to be black. And, and where did they get that idea from? Because they didn't come up with that on their own, which is why even though when I pointed out the things I don't like in the black community, and, 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 and again, even when some white people speak on it, I only let them go but so far because I, I'm like, yo, do you do know that it's white people financing all of this bullshit, even the Sharptons and all the people you don't like? And maybe you could be more effective if you lend your voice to them and let me clean up my house as you clean up yours. Because it's always easy to target us. And I think those of us who identify the problem, we have to do the work of, of fixing it. But at the same token, whites on the other side, man, cut off the damn the, the, the money supply and we'll we'll mop up around here. But as long as they keep getting paid, they're gonna keep fucking annoying everybody and, and making us look bad. That's my thoughts on that. What do you think, Jason? Well, look, man, I, I'm, I'm being very narcissistic right now. I'm being very selfish. I'm asking you to basically be my counselor because, again, <laughs> this is stuff that torments me on, on all the time. And so, look, man, one of my philosophies, one of the things I really believe in has put me at odds. I, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to call the young lady's name, but uh, a few years ago, when I was in Kansas City, man, that's a long time. That's I haven't been in, I haven't lived in Kansas City in 10 years. But let's date now. I'm not gonna call her name. Beautiful young sister from the South, master's degree, and uh, you know, on paper, oh my father loved her. Oh, that's what you need right there. Oh, this is blah blah blah. <laughs> and and the whole thing came down to, and this is when I started saying this. She started, see. You just don't like a challenge. You need a challenge. You know, you 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 intimidated by a strong black woman. And I'm, I'm like, no, I'm really not. But I really don't want a challenge in my personal life. Not I don't mean I want you to roll over and play dead, but I don't, I got a challenge in my job, in my career. Very challenging. And I'm out here trying to go get it. And so when I come home, I don't want a challenge. I don't want arguments. I don't want, I, I really don't. And again, I don't want somebody to roll over and play dead. But again, this is why we're like, we have to agree on some things philosophically, points of view wise, so that at least I have that foundation and I won't be arguing about things that I foundationally believe. And like one of the things I believe, it's like, I'm not a victim. Know how no way i am a lion king of the jungle and i don't know who i don't know who the real king of the jungle is i heard it's not a lion uh that's who i am every day and uh when i come home i really just don't want to challenge and that has been this whole mentality it's like the media everybody tell strong black woman yeah, you gotta want to challenge, and you want to be blah blah. I was like, I don't, cause I'm just I got I got a lot of shit figured out, and you know I'm not the smartest person in the world, but there's some things I got figured out that's just not changing. And me running around complaining about oh white people did this and said this, and I'm just this girl was from the south. 
Every time we went out, if we went to dinner anywhere and we got waited on by white people, oh, she was just giving them hell. Just give, and I'm a public figure. I'm a public figure. And every time we go out, if some white people are waiting on her, she is just raising hell with them. And I would be like, hey, 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 look. You know, when they go back to that kitchen, they don't know your name. They say, oh man, Jason Whitlock's out there. And this, you know, he, this girl he's with is just clowning. I was like, I, I just can't have that kind of stress and drama. But anyway, it just, that's, I don't want to be challenged at home. I, I really don't. I want to find somebody I get along with. We agree on some certain foundational things. Uh, if, if we want to disagree about where we go on vacation or uh, what kind of car we buy, I can do all that. But this political bullshit, I'm not, I'm not debating that at home. You see, I don't watch, I don't turn it on, I'm not debating. <laughs> I think a lot of times, right? And just experiences taught me, and I, I pass this on to my son. Like, so when what I tell him is, if he's if he's uh, seriously considering a woman to be his 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 mate, wife, whatever, he really needs to examine what her the relationship that her mom and dad had, because that's going to be the relationship she more than likely emulates. If her father's a cuck and the mom runs all over him, well, that, she's going to try to run over you. And then it, it has nothing to do with you. But she's been seeing that her whole life. It's been getting programmed in her. If her mom loves and respects her dad, she's going to look for a man that reminds her of her dad so she could love and respect him too. And if, if she doesn't have a dad, uh, or her mom is always talking bad about the dad. He ain't no good and this, that, the other. Her programming comes, she comes pre-prepared for dysfunction. And, and sometimes some of the prettiest girls are some of the most dysfunctional ones. They come from the most dysfunctional homes. And, and, and life is something, man, that you gotta, you just, you gotta navigate. And, and in all fairness to black women, right? Because I, I, I don't. I'm not gonna say I'm an expert on black women, but I, I, I know quite a few, right? And, um, mm. <laughs> and I, think, I think that um, they have been prior to, to civil rights. They were actually at the very bottom. You know, it was black totally man, good. black. I mean, white man, white woman, black man, and then the black woman. And we were pretty low and they were beneath us. And I think a lot of black men, because they weren't able or allowed to experience any kind of power or authority anywhere, they were over the top with black women. And what has happened with the civil rights movement and all this progressive stuff is that the pendulum has swung. And even though a lot of these younger women, they didn't get to experience that kind of uh, domination, humiliation, and abuse sometimes outright. They have aunties and grandmas and all of that that's going to give them advice for men based on their personal trauma. So we're dealing with the residue of a lot of things that really, and, 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 and a lot of people won't agree with me, but I think 
stems from our economic disadvantage. And that's why I think we need to focus on economics because at the root of everything, the root of those hostile black men's frustrations, hangups, insecurities, was the fact that, yo, man, they knew they wasn't the best option the whole damn time. A lot of times they couldn't even pay the bills. You know, and, and, and feminism then started giving women not just the idea that they were, um, they were better, but gave them better opportunities and so on and so forth. So now you have black women and black men in a lot of cases, not all the times, fighting to occupy the same space. So we bump heads a lot. You know, I, I, I see it, but you know, knowing is half the battle and moving accordingly is the remainder. So I, I, I understand that a woman needs to have her space where she could feel powerful and it'd be her, you know, her little realm where, you know, she needs that for her own self-esteem. And unfortunately, a lot of brothers, they don't even have that for themselves, so they can't help create that for the woman. So, uh, Matt, you just said a mouthful and you said a lot that's true that I certainly agree with that uh, the black woman has experienced some mistreatment from the black man that, and we're still dealing with that rather. No question about it. We were an active participant in our own problems as black men. But then when you just throw on top of it again, I've never had an economic problem since, uh, you know, probably 1992. I've been a, been a breadwinner and, uh, and it, just speaking factually, it creates some, some people would call it arrogance. I would call confidence, but it, it helps you cement in your ways when you, and again, I didn't have economic success based off my physical capabilities. I didn't make the NFL or some pro basketball league or blah, blah, blah. I, I had to do it all from right here and playing the chess match with corporate America. And and it creates a confidence. Some people would say uh, arrogance. And it's like, I'm very close to my sister. My, my sister, uh, she's my stepsister, but I call her my sister, known her since I was five or six years old. Uh, but my sister, very smart, five, six years older than me. My first real role model for economic success, because she's a go-getter, just a, as a kid from age 15 on, just a go-getter financially or whatever. But even to this day, when we talk or whatever, you know, she tells me all the time, you know, you a my way or the highway person. No wonder ain't nobody going to have you and blah, blah. You know, black, black, and 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 I have to. There's some truth to it because I, I am a my way or the highway, and 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 they say that's why you always want to date somebody 35, 40 that you can control. Probably true, but, but the thing you said about black women growing up without a father in the home or a good male role model in the home. That's the other issue that we're, man, we're off on a tangent, but literally if, if 70% of black kids is growing up in a home, a single parent home, that come, you know, when you start looking, because that is like one of the like, man, I need a woman that 
had a father in the home who she respected and adored. That, so once you do that, you've just shrunk the pool of women of your own skin color. You've you, you shrunk the candidates. Yeah, yeah, listen, man. I think you kind of shrunk it, but if you understand what you're dealing with going into it, like I said, knowing is half the battle, moving accordingly is the remainder. I, I, I told a woman one time, I said, you know, you know, she was getting advice from her circle. <laughs> and, 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 and I told her, I was like, yo, mama, I said, no disrespect, not your mama, not your grandma, not your friends could give you advice on how to deal with a man like me if they've never dealt with a man like me. They can give you advice on how to deal with other types of men that do exist but I am not them. You see what I'm saying? And you can't have the same playbook for everybody and you can't come to every situation with this, uh, you know, this pre-prepared plan of how you're gonna deal with it. You just gotta be quick, quick on your feet and be able to make adjustments. And I think it comes with maturity and for us, and I include myself, a lot of things that I've learned much less people who haven't been through the things I've been through or may not even be as sharp as I am. It took me a long time to figure it out. So I could just imagine, you know, it, like a lot of, for a lot of us, man, by the time we figure it out, we may have missed the boat, man. And that's just the tragedy. But then there's the hope is in the kids, I guess, you know, you could pass the game on for real to them. Look, I, I'm... <laughs> I'm, I've been this way since birth in terms of, I, I and I've said it, and I shouldn't be saying it publicly, I've said it privately to family, question me or whatever, or women that question me. <laughs> I, I'm what you call a benevolent dictator. I, I, I cop to being that. a dictator. <laughs> I, 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 I cop to being a dictator, but I'm a benevolent one. And, and I'm gonna say, if you don't like my rulership, if it doesn't treat you well, I, I say leave. But if my rulership is treating you well and your needs are being met and you got no complaints and your friends want to complain and your mama want to complain that, well, he just, he controls everything and he's a dictator. <laughs> it's a benevolent dictatorship. It's, it's a great setup. I, you know, I guess I would be the good, the, the positive Fidel Castro. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man. But, but I want to say, I want to make we this gonna point. catch a lot of heat for this one, Jason. They're gonna say we're misogynistic. <laughs> Yo, look, at these, look at these two misogynists right there. But go ahead, bro. Keep on going. I'm gonna, go keep it real. I'm gonna keep it real. In 1977, when Roots came out, yeah. I was 10 years old in 1977 when Roots, and the number one thing I remember from Roots, the number one thing. You can ask anybody in my family. I've talked about it for years. Kunta Kinte, in the first episode, when he's a kid, he goes off to manhood training uh, in the first episode. And when he comes back, even his mama has to treat him differently as a man. All the stuff she was doing before he went off to manhood training, she could no longer do. And she had to damn near treat him the way she treated her husband and blah, blah, blah. And as a 10-year-old kid, 
I was telling everybody, that's the way things are supposed to be. When you when you a man and you were poor, and that's literally that that that's it's like I'm a grown ass man, and I take care of a lot of people, and there's a way that I want to be treated. Look, I got a different. It's memory. in my nature. I got a different memory from Roots. Yeah. The scene that stood out to me was when he ran away and they caught him. And they asked him to choose between cutting off his foot or his penis. And he was like, you take a foot. I was like, you got that right, motherfucker. Shit. Bye-bye, <laughs> foot. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to go back to my point, though, because Yo, Curtis, what, and, and God, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. I hope I survived this podcast. I don't care, man. We like that. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at the dynamics of the black male relationship with his mother. And I'm telling you, I love my mother. I had the greatest one. But again, they, many of the black mothers try to treat their sons, they try to make them into husband. Yeah. And they, they, they try to dominate their sons throughout. Son can be 60 years old, 40 years old, whatever. And their mother is still in control. And I've never believed in that. That's a father in the home, though, you know, um, a father in the home, he, a real man, he would, he would, he would temper that, he would balance that, he would put a stop to that. A lot of times if the father and the mother aren't together, or the father's yeah. deceased or whatever, there's nobody to rein her in. And, you know, she's going to always be a mom. And you know what, that takes me to the issue with your with your former show, speak for yourself and Uncle Jimmy, <laughs> what he was talking about with with fathers that offended these people, and I, and I, you know, I for, for one. Hold on, give a little bit more context, just so uh, you you saw well, my you Twitter feed. I went out. You yeah. know these people. You give yeah. the context. And you're right. It's a good segue into that, Uncle Jimmy. If y'all remember from Speak for Yourself, uh, fr longtime friend of mine. <laughs> from Kansas City, a little older than me. He played the role of my uncle on Speak for Yourself. Comes on at the end of the show just to crack jokes as the cranky, older Black man. You know, he he plays the role as if he's 70. Uh, and so he just says inappropriate things that old people would say are just really transparent and real things. And so on Friday's show, again, he's still with the show. Uh, I'm not. Uh, they were talking about Deshaun Watson, and he made the point that, uh, look, man, Deshaun Watson needs to live up to his word, basically. He signed the contract. You got to handle it like a man. He goes, but a lot of these young cats didn't have a father in the home, and they don't know how to handle things like a man <laughs> because they didn't have a role model in the home. And Deshaun Watson and his agent and Emmanuel Acho have act like Uncle Jimmy has said something crazy and racist and how dare FS1 and Speak For Yourself uh, support this and basically have tried to, in my view, harm Uncle Jimmy, put his job in jeopardy. And, and I'm like, hold on, man. This is my dog for life who uh, has two young sons, uh, a 14-year-old and a 10-year-old, the son 
the 10-year-old has special needs, sickle cell. Uh, Uncle Jimmy didn't have a father growing up. His mother left him when he was nine years old. You were talking about somebody that knows struggle. And it's just a working class dude, comes on at the end of the show, makes a little bit of money from Fox from doing it. Really appreciate Fox and support him the whole nine, but makes a little bit. And I'm looking at David Mulligetta, the agent. He's a multimillionaire. Deshaun Watson signed a $150 million contract uh, with the Houston Texans. Emmanuel Acho's done played in the NFL on a TV show, going to be on The Bachelor. He's got, he's a millionaire. And here they are coming after Uncle Jimmy. Because it's safe. And just, yes. And because that's what elites do. They piss downhill. And all of this little fake social justice warrior, and we're speaking for the voiceless. No, you're not. You're speaking for yourself. Period. End of story. They always find some somebody at the bottom to piss on. They pissing on Uncle Jim, and, and it's, it's put me through the roof, man. I, uh, you couldn't know, be more upset. When, when I saw it, right, I looked up these people because I didn't know who the hell they were. Yeah, you know, and um, David Mulugetti, or however his damn name is pronounced, he's, he's of Eritrean descent. His mom and dad together came from Eritrea. His father worked two jobs. The other dude, Emmanuel Acho, he's of Nigerian descent from the Igbo tribe. His mom and dad together. And I'm sure his father, because if you know anything about African culture. Father's adopted. Father is adopted. You see what I'm saying? If you know anything about African culture, they practice the patriarchy. So all these, I don't know, Afrocentric feminists, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. But but anyway, now you move to Deshaun Watson. I don't know what his family life was, but I do know he has his mother. Raised by a single mom. Yeah, he got, well, I saw he had his mother's surname, not his father's surname. So that kind of told the story to me. So I I don't understand how two guys who absolutely benefited from being around their dad could attack Uncle Jimmy for saying something lighthearted that that says there's a benefit to to having your father around when it absolutely benefited them. However, I do understand that Deshaun Watson is a big time client, right? And when you start talking about these numbers and you're the agent and this guy, he got a $150 million contract, they might have millions, but they don't have 150 million, you understand? And what's going on in, in, in not just our community, but we're speaking about our community, but it's across the broad. A lot of people become all kinds of ideological whores for a few crumbs, you know. And I call it crumbs because if you got a, if you got if you got a few million, you're not even really desperate, man. You're just you just like grabbing your ankles. Is that you've just been doing it for so goddamn long that yo, you won't miss an opportunity to get a few more dollars. You know what I mean? And there's got to be a point where it comes to you know I just won't do something for money. Deshaun, whatever his issue is, that's his issue. He's entitled to it. But for those men to take it upon themselves to get a guy who's there for comic relief fired, I think 
is a bit over the top and it kind of uh, symbolizes how all of this wokeness and foolishness works. Just to be clear, Uncle Jimmy hasn't been fired or as far as I know, even disciplined, I, 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 I don't know. But the attack and the Bulagetas tweets going after FS1 is the people that produce speak for yourself and Uncle Jim, the intent is clear. Like, you know, we want this dude fired, disciplined, whatever, for uh, cracking a joke, for cracking a joke against a guy that's got a $150 million contract. And and look, man, I love Deshaun Watson as a quarterback, exciting player, blah, blah, blah. But, but th this guy needs to, to wake up, man. You, you just don't, you don't piss on working class people and then portray yourself as a voice for the voiceless. That you're doing all of this uh, social media stuff or, or all this social justice stuff for the voiceless. That, that, that The phoniness of that is what has me so pissed off. And I don't know if you remember, Curtis, but it, when Ronald Reagan was around, uh, they used to give him a hard time about trickle-down economics. Yeah. You know, if, if you relieve the taxes on the rich, uh, they're going to spend their money and it's going to benefit the people below them. And th this is what I look at when I see these elites, but particularly black elites. They believe in trickle-down social justice. Anything that benefits elites will eventually trickle down and, and benefit the black working class. And, and it, it's really what I like to call uh, trickle down or pissed on or tinkle, tinkle down or pissed on social justice. Because the, the elites have no interest in, in really representing the working class. The, the Acho guy has used, and, and first of all, dad's a doctor. <clears throat> this dude went to a high school, a high school that has 800, about 900 students and a $140 million endowment. A $140 million endowment for a high school with 900. There are universities, you, major universities, with smaller endowments than his high school for 900 people. Uh, Lamar Hunt's son, Clark Hunt, went to this high school. Th this, this, again, a Matt Acho and his dad, doctor, what again, he's not coming from the background I came from or likely the background you came from. He didn't go to a high school. To, <laughs> I, my high school didn't have a $140 million endowment. Uh, you know, it had a bunch of factory workers, kids. Uh, and so this, <laughs> this whole little hustle of I'm speaking out against racism and I'm putting together videos where I'm having uncomfortable conversations with white people about racism. He he's out tending to white people and make you know helping <laughs> rehabilitate them. That's what they, go go look at the videos. And now, so no one went to. I'm sure he knows a lot of white people, probably more than black. And how to tend to them? Yeah, <laughs> they train on how to tend to them. And so I'm just. That's why they can't see Uncle Jimmy, a guy just cracking a joke and want to bring this kind of heat and, and, and problems down on him. 
I, I just the man, people never get why I've been so hard on Kaepernick or all of these multimillionaires who are pretending, pretending. And I think it's great LeBron gave a couple of million dollars to some school in Akron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's I think that's great. I think there's probably some tax benefit to it. There's certainly some PR benefit to it. But I'm not even going to his his concern for kids is authentic. But having and again, obviously LeBron's worth a half billion dollars. I'm nowhere in that ballpark. But I do have money, and I'm just sorry. the The benefit we give the wealthy because they give a little bit of their money away to some kind of charitable cause. I'm just sorry. It's a lot easier to do that when you got a lot of money. I don't deserve a bunch of applause. And trust me, I do a lot of nice things for people. But I, I don't put it on front street. I'm not out telling everybody because it's not that hard for me. And it's not that hard for him. And again, if, the, if they if they wanted to keep it real, again, we have... We have a shortage of resources, but until we are in the right mindset, it doesn't matter what resources you provide us because we won't know what to do with them. We, we don't, if you don't understand America and how America gives you freedom and then how capitalism gives you the opportunity to go out, start a business and take care of yourself. If your mindset isn't always, how can I be self-sufficient from the government? And until we correct that mindset, because we got now everybody convinced that the government should give us free stuff and the government should be our daddies. And so it, it won't matter how many resources, because if you're not, if if men and women in this day and age, if you're not willing to go out and be the king of your own jungle, you're going to get destroyed by the other predators. And the predators, a lot of times, are wolves in sheep's clothing, called liberals, who who are who are giving you advice that will make it impossible for you to compete with their kids. They're giving you advice to make it impossible for you to compete with their kids. And it's just like I saw somewhere. I think it was the San Francisco Teachers Union president fighting like hell to stop kids from going back to school, but they caught him on tape taking his child to school. <laughs> this is, it's yeah, I, the I, was told, I was told the mayor in Atlanta had her kids in, in private school too, you know? Yeah. It, it's, 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 it's sad because you see how we're being duped, but to speak to the celebrity social justice warriors, um, I don't think they even believe the shit they say, man. I think it's, it's just, they just get money. We put money in a place where people are willing to do anything for it. And, and the acquisition of money validates the means, justifies the means. So as long as you're getting paid, what you did ain't that bad. And that that's kind of like how it, the new era has been trained to think. And that's why stripping is something to be proud of now or selling drugs is something to be proud of or anything because if you got paid, what difference does it make? 
And so what we've had is a, um, you know, the adoption of poor values, man, poor values. Culturally, that, that's really a big part of what's going on. And um, again, I think, you know, Kaepernick had the Betsy Ross, Nike, and he has big deals. And if anybody thinks that these economic opportunities are not incentivizing these people, they're sadly mistaken. Well, I, I take it all the way back to China and their relationship with Nike and their corruption of American society. I, I read some story recently where uh, the Chinese government is uh, emphasizing masculinity in young boys. We need more masculine young boys in China. Read a news story about it. And I'm looking at America de-emphasize masculinity. Yeah. And, and, and it's just such a misinterpretation of history and, and a misunderstanding of how we got here. Masculinity and men doing, and women just being courageous. And we're trying to, we've created a society where fear is in control and everybody's supposed to get in touch with their emotions and show their emotions and live in their emotions. And again, I'm not anti, I'm not for people repressing their emotions, but I think there's a time and a place for everything. And I, I, I think being vulnerable and showing some emotion around your wife, kids, immediate family, great. But when you step out that door amongst, it's time to be a man. It's time to be a grown ass woman. It's time to, there's, there's a time and a place to be emotional and it's not in your work environment. It's not out here in your public life. That's emotions are to be shared with people who can handle those emotions and who are even interested in those emotions. All of this emotional stuff we have at work, on the job, in schools, in, in over Twitter, over all the, it's all bullshit. It's all a trap to keep, because as long as they, as long as they got you living in your emotions, you're never going to play the chess game at the proper level to move you ahead consistently. If it's, Look, China understands the importance of masculinity in boys, right? In, in America, and specifically in our community, we have, and this is just one example, we have Dwayne Wade and his son Zion. His son says that he's, you know, he's a, he's a girl. Uh, he has a he has another name that's not on his birth certificate is Zaya, which I think is, you know, a feminine name for him or whatever. I I don't, you know, not to be disrespectful, I I don't care. It got nothing to do with me, but I don't understand why that's being presented publicly, and then when you comment publicly, it's like you said something wrong. Why is that anybody's business to begin with? And I'll tell you why. 
the normalization of this, of this new family model and this new type of uh, human being, male and female, or what have you. I've seen black women on social media, and I'm not saying they represent the majority of, of black women, but the black women on social media in particular are, are some of the most ardent promoters of this, this sort of demasculation, emasculation of black men. And I find that kind of odd. I saw one say- Power grab, it's a power grab, man. Everybody's so. out for power. Look, man, I've seen one say, protect Zaya at all costs. And I'm going to protect Zaya from who? Who's trying to hurt Zaya? I think Zaya might be protection from Dwayne and Gabriel, not us. That's what I think. And I'm saying that. I'm not saying you saying that. Like, yo. Kurt, I'm going to push back a little bit. I'm going to push back. Because I'm going to tell you what their argument is. Some of it I actually uh, agree with. Some, I think a child's personal life should be handled within the immediate family and it's not for public consumption. But I think what's driving them and a lot of people are that the suicide rates for kids that are gay, alternative lifestyle, transgender, I guess is the new word, I think the suicide rates are so astronomically high that they want to normalize this to bring down the suicide rate. That this culture we have is so hostile towards them as young people that they are choosing death at a higher rate than other kids. And so I get, I get that I think that's some of the motivation. I don't know if it's all the motivation, because again, I think there's different layers to it, but I'm uncomfortable because I don't know the details. I haven't followed. Dwayne Wade is, is someone as an athlete, I have a great deal of respect for. And um, again, my personal but I'm not a parent. I don't know what they're going through or, or and what the child is going through. I would handle things less publicly. I, I don't understand any of these athletes. And again, it's like LeBron James, I think, started a YouTube channel for his two or three-year-old daughter or four-year-old daughter. Uh, he's had his son, Bronny Jr., out you know, promoting his basketball career basically since the kid was 12, 13, 14 years old. I never understood, I never understand why celebrities put the burden of celebrity on their kids. It's crazy to me. Celebrity and fame are drugs that more powerful and I think more uh, debilitating than crack cocaine. Uh, but that's, I, I just want to provide that little bit of context and pushback on what the motivations may be. Well, you, you are 100% correct about the suicide rate among transgenders. It is very high. I don't think exposing a child who's going through this kind of uh, internal 
transition or debate, depends on how you see it. Putting them in the public eye where the people can say something to them and, and or say something online and affect them in such a way that they harm themselves. I don't think I I, I don't I, I don't see the logic in that. That's why I say he he need protection from his parents because they're putting them on front street like that. I, I think for him, I think if I was in that situation, I would try to get him the best help, the best guidance, and and start preparing him for what may be some negativity that he will encounter. I mean, and this happens with all kids, not just uh, gay kids, transgender kids. We've got kids who are heterosexual who've been taunted online and committed suicide. So it, it's it's a it's a maturity thing, you know what I mean? And you you got you, you just can't throw them in the fire like that because you're holding their hand. You have to get them prepared for that. That's all I'm Curtis, saying. What I would say for Dwayne Wade, who's been famous basically since he was 20 years old, probably had a little, you know, hey, maybe even before in his mind as a high school athlete, he's famous, <clears throat> but has certainly been dealing with fame since he entered the NBA around 21, 20 years old, whatever he was. And then his wife, his wife has been dealing with fame as an actress for 20 years, maybe. I'm not, I'm not sure how long she's been famous. But, but what I think happens with people that experience fame at a young age become addicted to it, and they share their addiction to fame with their kids. And it's really no different than... Uh, I'll, it's a kind of a silly example, but it's like my mother, hell of a cook. Fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, oyster dressing, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> Shared that love of good food with me and my brother and created weight problems and blah, blah, It creates complications. And my father, hell of a cook. Uh, and so I, I just think people find things that they're passionate about, have no self-awareness about it. They like it. And so I look at all the... And I'm not, I look at LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, all these guys that have been famous since they were young. And then the first thing they want to do is stick that fame on their kid. Look, it's been great for me to be famous. I want you to be famous. And they share with it. And somebody needs to raise a hand up and say, no, nah, man, that, that fame. And it, because I've talked with athletes about it and talked with athletes about what LeBron is doing with his kids. And they were like, oh my God. He's creating revenue streams for his kids. You know, they they go about, and I'm like, how many revenue streams do they need? They need more than they daddy. It's like I said, it's the money, man. It's the money that's motivating everything with these people, and they got plenty of it. But let, let's switch gears a little bit. So, uh, I, I know you and I don't see eye to eye on this, Jeremy Lin. This situation with Jeremy Lin, where he claims somebody called him coronavirus and he won't say the name. He's a social justice warrior at this point. Is he not? Maybe, but he's, 
And again, this is a delicate situation. I don't know if you know my history with Jeremy Lin Curtis, but I was involved in a Jeremy Lin controversy at the height of his playing career when he was balling out. I cracked an inappropriate joke over Twitter. Damn near cost me my career. Had to apologize. Ooh. Yeah. So, I, I, I was it, not aware. Look. Yeah. So <laughs> this is a touchy subject for me, but I'm going to keep it real and be honest. And obviously, however many, six, seven, eight years ago when I made that mistake, I copped to it, admitted to it. I'm not backing away from that. And it's not driving this opinion I'm about to give. I actually think that Jeremy Lin is just being authentic. I think that as an Asian basketball player in the NBA, the only two I can think of, and I'm sure there's been others, are him and Yao Ming. But there's not been many Asians in the NBA. I think this dude, the NBA, despite all of its wokeness and equality and all the t-shirts, it's not a PC place. And it's not a... uh, it's not a safe space in any way. And so I think he has experienced a level of abuse during his nine-year NBA career being Asian that he's fed up with. And then he's probably looking around and like, we got equality and wokeness everywhere, all Black down in the matter. bubble. Huh? I said and, Black Lives Matter on the sidelines yeah, and everything. Black Lives all of this stuff, and he's sitting around going, these dudes? The ones giving me hell are, are wagging their finger at everybody else? And so he's just calling it out. He's had enough, and I'm sure the hypocrisy of it uh, and the level of abuse he's taken has, has driven him to speak out. I think it's actually one of the most authentic signs of wokeness that we've seen. I, I think he's being a, and he, he's not naming names because he doesn't want to harm the individual. Because they he's don't like faces. That's why oh, he's no, they, they. Come, on. Come on, Curtis. You, the way we talk trash and you think they're not talking trash to this dude? Listen, I, first of all, I, I, I'm not I'm not Asian, but I don't know if I would give a damn if I was on the basketball court and another player called, called me coronavirus. I would probably say something, yeah, I'm about to kill you right now. You know, like, I, to me, that's just that's just a sport, man. Like, what if you, a steady worse than coronavirus. You know, look. I'm sure there's been worse things he's experienced, look, but, but you don't think a steady stream of that in that environment, what is there? Yeah, they said some 400. They, I know they said some shit to him. I agree with you, with you, but see, for me, right, just coming up from where I come up from, shit talking is such an integral part of who we are as a people. And calling them coronavirus would be like somebody calling you fat, man. Come on, man. It's a, it's a, to me, it's, it's, that's just what we do. We try to find okay, something that, let, that'll let get say- under your skin and take you out your game, man. That, that, Curtis, it's, Curtis, it's let me let me tell you the difference. Let's say I'm playing in the NFL and I'm hearing fat jokes every day, blah, blah, blah. It's no big deal. It really is. Not just that, but it's just mm-hmm. like, this is a group of my peers. It's, it's 70% black in here. But uh, if I'm on the PGA tour, 
If I'm on the PGA tour and every day I'm hearing something, fat, fried chicken, watermelon, I'm hearing something every day, every time I'm out on the course. And again, I'm looking around, ain't none of these dudes my peers, ain't none of these dudes grew up the way I grew up. At some point, I'm going to snap. It, it, it just comes off completely different. And so if I'm paying the dozens, again, amongst my peers and people that grew up like me, and I'm coming back, but, but if, you know, and I'm, I'm on an island, basically, I guarantee you virtually every team he's played on, he's the only Asian dude. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he probably listens to different music than them, probably attracted to different women than them, you know, read different books. Again, I'm I think sure he likes blondes. The... <laughs> yeah. uh, I said, I'm sure he likes blondes just uh, like the rest yeah. of them. <laughs> <laughs> he went to Harvard. Most of these, he I think blondes. he went to Harvard. Most of these dudes didn't, you know, didn't go to college or I was only there for a cup of coffee. Man, he's he's on an island. And that level of abuse from guys preaching all this social justice shit uh, just rings phony to him. And he finally said so. You know what? I can't rule it out because I don't know, you know. I just find it a little suspicious because I don't trust the NBA with anything that they say. I didn't trust, I didn't believe the the graffiti on LeBron's garage. I just think the NBA is a source of propaganda. It's nothing against Asians or Jeremy Lin, you know? I just think right now the NBA might be uh, using Lin as a vehicle to create sympathy for China and Chinese people, people of Chinese descent. Because we just had a president who didn't call somebody coronavirus, but he called the coronavirus Kung Flu. You know what I mean? So it, it, to me, I just think it's it's just the pendulum just swinging. And I think it's little people. It's not even about really LeBron or, or Jeremy or even Kaepernick. There are powerful entities that are finding value in these people because of their high profile or their ethnicity or something that distinguishes them where they can be utilized to promote and push a narrative. And that, that that's, I just don't trust the NBA. It's not even that I don't trust Jeremy Lin. I don't trust his employer. I think you made a fair point there and an accurate one. I think that, uh, look, man, there's a lot of value. And particularly when Trump was in office, to expressing some sort of anti-American sentiment. And there's this whole push that I think you're, you're, you're saying, Jeremy Lin, LeBron James, that, that America is not a special place and America should quit trying to be unique and America needs to be like everybody else in the globe and must join this global community it's it's the globalist movement and it's it's there's just this steady chopping of wood of america's not special it's not unique we need to be just like everybody else and so if you can just gather up enough anti-american sentiment there's a group of suckers in this country of all races who are like yeah yeah america ain't special 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know people from Cuba are getting on little rafts trying to get over here. I know that, you know, uh, people from uh, Latin countries and Mexico are, are, you know, climbing over fences and doing anything they can to get in this country. I know people from all over the globe, Russia, everywhere is trying to get into this country. But America ain't special. <laughs> it's, it's illogical if you look at what people do to get into this country. Clearly, America is special, unique, and people are attracted to it. But there's another, the globalists, who the we are the world, let's all hold hands and we're going to all be part of this global community, want Americans to feel like, oh man, this it's all been a big propaganda scam. America's a bag of shit and we might as well join the rest of bag of shit countries around the globe. And <laughs> it, it's lunacy. It, it, I mean, and particularly for us as black people, I, I just, I wish some of these people could go visit China and try to go to McDonald's while black and not a millionaire celebrity and then come back and tell me about how terrible America is. Yeah. Speaking of Trump, he just recently surfaced publicly at CPAC. Uh, I saw a little bit of what his speech. And one thing jumped out at me. He said he wanted to protect the integrity of women in sports, right? Of female sports. And that made me, you know, I, I was like, I'm thinking on day one of Joe Biden's administration, he signed an executive order, you know, so men could compete in in women's sports as as a as a sports expert what's your take on all of this jason uh i mean i i i think it's only logical and that look man all things aren't for all people and and we have this myth or belief that oh i can have it everything i can have it all and I've just never believed in that. And some of the things that I want aren't meant for me. And for a lot of things that we discussed earlier in the show about my dating habits, and it's, it contributes to the reason why I'm not married. It's like, you know, my dating habits complicate marriage, makes marriage harder. And, and I, I don't, I'm not disparaging anybody that's in a marriage, uh, interracial marriage. I'm not remotely disparaging. I would be a hypocrite if I did. But I think interracial marriages are much more difficult and in America. And so that, that's like, it's made marriage a little bit more difficult for me, particularly when I was younger. I was like, man, interracial kids, that's, that's tough. Now that I'm my age, it's like, well, I'm probably not going to have kids and it's just me and that woman. It's still tough. Uh, and so I, I think that, again, when I look and say, well, damn, Jason, you tend to like women. 
10, 15 years younger than you. That makes marriage tough. And that's another reason that's contributed to me not getting married and me saying, you know, maybe marriage isn't for me. And particularly when I was younger and I used to love to hang out in strip clubs, marriage wasn't for me. I was a ratchet person. And so I wasn't bringing that ratchetness to another person, asking them to deal with that. Well, baby, you know, we're going to blah, blah, blah. But I still going to hang out in Diamond Joe's with Derek Thomas, and we still going to go out and, you know. It, so it wasn't for me. And so not everything is for everybody. And I get that there, I'll take them at their word, that there are uh, young boys or men that were born that feel like they're women. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to disagree. Competing in track and field against women, competing in basketball against women, maybe that's not for you because of how you feel. Again, because of how you feel. Because that that's what, I'm not disrespecting your feelings, but just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean you're entitled to certain things. I feel like, and I have felt for a long time, and this is a joke, but there's some truth to it. I feel like Holly Berry should have dated me at some point and given me some. I feel like that, but I'm not entitled to it. And I'm probably going to go to my grave not having slept with Holly Berry because I'm not entitled to it. And so everything's not for me. And so I say that to, I, I feel sympathetic or whatever, but this whole thing of because I feel this way, therefore I'm entitled to do X, Y, and Z. That's not how life works. And uh, I could walk you through a bunch of other examples, real less humorous examples, but just feelings don't entitle you. And, and people have to get over that. And so I think we've made a terrible mistake because we're changing rules and damaging young girls and women uh, and making them compete against people who were born biologically men. And, uh, you know, again, I would have loved to have been a basketball player, but I was heavy set. And <laughs> so I may have felt like an NBA player or felt like a high school basketball. So, oh, I feel, so, should I be allowed to play with the women so I can make the, the girls basketball team so I can play basketball? We're off in crazy land based on people's feelings. I, I respect that people have these feelings, but we can't build a society based on feelings. Yeah, it transcends sports too. You know, um, I do this weekly thing on, on that new app, Clubhouse. Dope conversations with dope people. Eight o'clock to 10 every Sunday. And this past Sunday, there was a young lady in there social justice warrior complaining about people having privilege and venture capitalists not lending money to minorities and all that. And, 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 and you know, the fascinating thing for me as a business owner, right? And for the record, I've never gotten a business loan for anything, not any of my film projects, not my mental health business. None of the things that I'm involved with have I ever gotten a business loan from. A four, I mean. 
And it, it just amazes me how people who never done business think they're entitled to access to capital so they could experiment. And they don't even understand that within the first five years, 30% of all businesses fail. No, excuse me, by year two. By year five, 50% fail. By year 10, 70% fail. But in their mind and in their delusion, they feel entitled to things, whether it is to play sports with women or to get access to millions of dollars for this idea that they think is gonna work or whatever. And I, I, I'm not gonna negate that there's discrimination or what have you, because I think I'm to the point that I could probably, I should be able to get a business loan, I'm proven, but I don't even try anymore because I'm so used to doing it on my own. But to, to back to the point, it's like, I, I listen to these people, man, when they talk and I'm saying to myself, are they really victims? I'm sure there are victims out there, but I don't know if everybody who's jump, jumping up to champion the cause, if they're even qualified to speak to the issue. Because just because you're denied something doesn't mean you're victimized. It's like you said, you're, you're, not, you're not supposed to have everything because you want it, because you think you deserve it. There's other people who may deserve it more than you and they beat you to it. And that's just how it is in life. And this equality thing, I personally see it as a farce. I don't believe in equality, not in the context that people are pushing it. I think there's a lot of people that are using the phrase, the term equality to try to get into situations they couldn't earn their way into. And I think it's wrong. Man. There's no such thing as equality. There's hierarchical authority and that is it. There's a structure and you got to work your way up. Just because you're not there today doesn't mean you're not as good as that person. It means you got to wait your turn, man, and put in the work. And, and we've gotten away from that. It's just that give it to me because I'm a woman. Give it to me because I'm black. Give it to me because I'm an immigrant. Give it to me because, because of everything other than I earned it. Now nah, you got to pay your dues, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a smart guy. But it took me all the way till 46. And people got to think, they, they got to grab that, man. Like, yo, it may not happen overnight for you. <laughs> it may not happen till 50. <laughs> Put in the work, though, and, and stay with it. And, 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 and you'll get what your hand called for. I believe that. Well, as it relates to the transgender issue, I want to be crystal clear. If people feel like they're a woman, I got no problem. You want to change your sex? You want me to call you she, her, uh, change your name? I got no problem with that. No. People do it. It's America. You're free to do whatever you want. But in terms of changing laws in reaction to your feelings, that's the that's where America has lost its course is we, we have moved into uh, thoughts are criminal and I don't believe in that. We're see to me, God should judge your heart and thoughts. 
if he so chooses. We as humans should judge people's actions. And so that's where it's like, I'm looking at people express opinions and like, oh, that, you can't have that opinion and we must do something about you and blah, blah, blah. Oh man, that's just a thought. That's not actionable by us as humans. We should be judging actions. And so there are some actions, again, just because you feel a certain way, there may be some actions that you take or some realities about you that prevent you from being able to participate in certain things. And you have to deal with that. If, again, there's a bunch of us that if we were taller, we would have loved to play in the NBA, but we weren't blessed with that height and that athleticism. And so there are some people that through roll of the dice, perhaps, were born into this world and feel a certain way about themselves, but their maker, their parents, the, the exchange of semen or whatever didn't match how they feel. I'm not willing to change all the laws and, and to uh, change the rules and, and we have to all react to your feelings. This is how we have gotten into this very divided, chaotic, uh, violent time that we're living through in America uh, where thoughts, uh, you know, are being put on the same level as actions, and it's just a mistake. In other words, the vast majority, and when I say vast, we're talking upwards of 95 97% should not be put in a position to be made uncomfortable so a very, very small minority can be comfortable? I think there's some truth in that, but I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't even want to go there because, because uh, I, I think they can counter that argument of, well, of course you should care, you should care about everybody, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I'm just going to just leave it at your thoughts don't trump as it relates to American law and setting up a society. If we set up a society based on people's thoughts and feelings, we would have chaos. We would never have achieved the things that America did. It wouldn't be a sustainable society. If we keep going down this path, were thoughts, because people's thoughts change on an hourly, minute-to-minute -minute basis. There, are, I, I'm no expert on it, but I can guarantee you there are some young people that at age 11, man, I felt like a woman inside. But by age 13, were very happy that they were a boy and growing into a man and then went on to live the rest of their life very happily as a man. Young people, old people, we all think all kinds of crazy things, or I only want to call it crazy, different things at different times. And uh, you just can't set up a sustainable society reacting to people's thoughts and emotions. Just can't do it. Yeah. I 
I agree with you. And I absolutely as well, I don't have a problem with anybody. Race-based, sexuality-based, gender-based, ethnicity, nationality-based. I don't really care. Uh, if that's your thing. God bless you. I'm trying to do some things. If you can help me, come on and join me. You know what I mean? That That's my attitude with everything. I, I'm just not going to adopt your values because that makes you comfortable. I'm not going to criticize you. I'm not going to attack you. I'm not going to exclude you. But I, I, have, I have a right to my own values as well. You know, I would be careful with the word exclude, though, because the conversation we are having is, and I'm very comfortable saying, if you're born a boy, I'm comfortable excluding you from competing against girls in athletics. I'm very comfortable doing that. And it's just, it's, it, it's, it's no different than uh, people, gene makers that make skinny jeans. They're very comfortable excluding me from wearing skinny jeans. I've chosen to be overweight. That's my choice. I'm excluded from wearing skinny jeans in a fashionable way. Nobody should lose sleep over it. It's my choice. Uh, it's the way I feel. <laughs> so I'm very comfortable. Like, no, that's not for you. You want to go out. Now, born as a man, but you feel like a woman, and you want to go out here and run track against other boys and men, no problem. You can do that while feeling, Bruce Jenner did it while feeling like a woman and won a decathlete, a, you know, Olympic gold medal than a decathlete while feeling like a woman and competing against men. Caitlyn Jenner did it. He did it as Bruce Jenner. That's your role model. Agreed. All right, Jason, I think we had a good one. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, let's hope I, we survive this one. Talks, you know, <laughs> like, and we, we'll share our infinite wisdom or foolery with everyone <laughs> every week, I'm hoping. All right? Thanks a lot, bro. Thank you. Share, subscribe, and like our YouTube channel to get alerts for new episodes. And stay tuned for SchoonTV.com. The media site is coming.